0: Alright, is everybody ready? I hope you are. hope you have your Bibles. If you do, turn to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to dive into verses 11 through 14. Now, I told you before that verses 11 through 21 are some of the most complex scriptures that Paul ever wrote. And this is the beginning of those scriptures. Now, before we dive into these scriptures, let me recap where we've been. We went over to Acts 10, and we read read about Peter's vision. You know, he's up on the rooftop. He he falls into a trance. He sees a picnic blanket being uh, dropped down from heaven with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean, and he hears a voice that says, Peter, arise, kill, and eat, and he says, no way, no way, because he's a Jew, and being Jewish under the Torah, and I'm going to um, I'm going to start calling that the law because that's what Paul does in Galatians. But I wanted to be clear that we're not talking about some kind of general law. That's why I would say Torah. but we're talking about the law, the law of Moses. Not just some general principle or general kind of concept. Some translations actually treat the law that way. No, we're talking about Sinai, Moses, the, the law of Moses. So Peter sees this and he says, no, I'm not going to eat. And the voice says, don't call common or unclean what I've made clean. And then you remember what we read. There were some men at the gate. There were Gentiles at the gate, actually. And they, they fetch Peter, take him to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He is a Gentile. He and his family, friends and relatives. And Peter relates the vision to Cornelius and his family and everybody gathered there. And the spirit falls on the Gentiles and they all start speaking in tongues. And Peter and his group, his Jewish group of Jewish believers, are astonished. They can't believe that the Spirit has fallen on the Gentiles, what Peter says, the same as it has fallen on us, going all the way back to Acts 2. Now, as I said, uh, Peter didn't line up Cornelius and all the other men and said, okay, you guys need to be circumcised and everybody has to come under the law in order to be saved. No, as he's relating the vision, the Spirit falls on the Gentiles, and they are born again and filled with the Spirit. So that's the background that we have. Um, If you want to read further on, I I think I I talked about Acts 11, 1 through 3, where Peter goes back to Jerusalem, and there are some Jewish believers who basically kind of... uh, they, they say, What? You sat down with uncircumcised men and you ate with them? Because what does what did we hear before in Acts 10? Peter said, Well, you know, under the law, even though there's no express scripture saying this, the Jews separated themselves from the Gentiles. Why? Because the Gentiles were considered to be unclean. And then You go back to the message that we preached, and that was the point of the vision in Acts 10. So now that lands us in verse 11, 11 through 14. Now, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and read these scriptures, and then we're going to go back and we're going to dig into them so we understand what Paul is relating here. So I'm reading from the ESV. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, verses 11 through 14 are the big issue that Paul sets up. What you're going to find is in the book of Galatians from Galatians 2, verse 15, all the way to the end of chapter 4, Paul is going to address these scriptures. He's going to expound on this situation in light of the mystery of Christ. And that's why it's so important that we get it down and we understand what's going on here. So let's go back up to verse 11. Paul writes, But when Cephas, Cephas is Peter, came to Antioch, now that's important because Antioch was a church that was known to have both Jews, believing Jews, and believing Gentiles in it. And they were all equal. They were all, quote, what Paul terms as free. So Paul says when Cephas, Peter, comes to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, why in the world did he stand condemned? Paul tells us in verse 12. You see that word for? Well, he explains then. He says, For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Now, let's stop there a minute and we go back to Acts 10 and we understand the context now. Peter has the vision, the uh, he's taken over to Cornelius's house, and what the spirit falls, and Peter understands that the gospel has been spread to all flesh now, not just Jewish flesh, but all flesh. The Gentiles have been brought in, and then you go back to the vision and you understand what Lord the Lord was saying to Peter. There's not clean and unclean anymore. He said, "Don't call unclean what I've made clean." and those are now the Gentiles, they can come into the gospel. And since they can come in, and they weren't circumcised, they didn't come in under the law, Peter could sit down with the Gentiles now as equals, as equals in Christ. Why? Because Peter's clean, and the Gentiles are clean. So that's what Paul's referring to here. He said, for before certain men came from James he was eating with the gentiles but then what happens but when they came he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party Now let's break down let's break that down a little bit see what's going on here Peter is the one who has a vision that the gentiles are being brought in and then certain men from came from James. It's not that James sent them. It's just that these are Jewish believers. And they are what? The circumcision party or the circumcision faction. Now, let's break this down a little bit. Okay, you have Acts 10, where Peter has this vision, but then you've heard me refer to Acts 15, Now, we know that Luke wrote Acts chronologically, so Acts 15 happened after Acts 10. Let me read to you Acts 15, verses 1 through 5, because these men from James, you know, the implication is these are Jewish believers, and they're of the circumcision party, meaning that they're a faction within, really, what we understand, the body of Christ. Acts 15, 1. But some men came down from Judea. You might say they came from James, men from James, almost the same thing. And we're teaching the brothers. What? Teaching the believers. Unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now notice this is Acts 15. This is after Peter's vision. So even though... Even though the body of Christ generally, after Peter's vision, understands that what? The Gentiles have received the word of God. You've got a faction saying, okay, well, maybe they received the word, but unless they are circumcised, meaning unless they come in under the law, they cannot be saved. And then I'll go ahead and read 2 through 5. Luke writes, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, remember that, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question or about this issue. So being sent on their way by the church, they pass both through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion, notice that, the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Notice verse 5, though. But some, a faction, but some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. These are believing Pharisees, kind of like the Apostle Paul, actually. Rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them, meaning Gentiles, and to order them to keep the law of Moses. They're speaking about the new believers. So we go back to Galatians 2.12, For before certain men came from James, Peter was eating with the Gentiles, but then when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews, these are believing Jews, acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What is Paul talking about here? Paul is talking about Peter drawing back from the vision that he had in Acts 10. Why in the world would he separate himself from believing Gentiles? He sat down with Cornelius. He was there for days. Why is he drawing back? because he's fearing the circumcision party, they got to him in a sense. And what he's doing is he's adhering to this idea that even believing Gentiles need to come in under the law even after Acts 10, even after the vision, or they can't be saved. And Paul goes on and says, and the rest of the believing Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas, even Barnabas. Now, get a, take into account Barnabas. Barnabas was the one who introduced the Apostle Paul to the apostles. Barnabas was the one who brought Paul to the Antioch church. And Barnabas was the one who had gone out with Paul preaching to the Gentiles. And somehow, this faction even got to Barnabas, where Barnabas is saying, well, you know, no, I need to separate myself from these believing Gentiles. Why? The implication is they are still unclean. It's You can almost call it a repudiation of Acts 10. So, we come to 14. And Paul writes this, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, go back to the Greek, said their conduct wasn't straight with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all. Now, take in, take in the scene. Paul's not doing any backroom dealing. He is not saying, hey, Peter, you know, let's go, let's go talk about this in private. No. He chews him out in front of everybody. Now, notice who he's chewing out. Peter was an apostle of the Lamb. A, a so-called pillar, what Paul says, in Jerusalem. Remember, this is the guy who walked on water. He was there at the crucifixion. Well, he denied the Lord three times, but the Lord what? The Lord brought him back into the fold after the resurrection. This is the man who stood up at Pentecost and explained to all of Israel what was going on, that God had poured out his spirit. I mean, Peter was the guy. And Paul has no problem him being the lone wolf of going up and chewing him out in front of them all, and he says this, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? What's Paul saying? He's going back, he's going back actually to the vision. I mean, I'm sure that Paul was aware of the vision, and even if not, he was aware of Peter's conduct as a result of the vision. He says, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, meaning this, the law's over for you. Your identity now is in Christ Jesus. It's not in the law. It's in Christ Jesus. You're living like a Gentile. You're sitting down with those who also have believing faith, the Gentiles, who have not been circumcised, who have not come in under the law. And Paul says, if you live like that, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? How can you force the believing Gentiles to come in under the law? That is what Paul is saying. How can you do it? That's hypocrisy. Now, let me read to you. We've already gone over this, but I want you to have a little bit more context of where Paul's coming from, Galatians 2 4. Paul writes, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, remember this, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Those are uh, people like the men from James going up to the church in Antioch and spying out the freedom of of believing Jews and believing Gentiles sitting down together as one family in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on and says, so that they might bring us into slavery. Now, how in the world does that happen? How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews and according to 2.4, could, you could put it this way. How can you force the Gentiles to come in under slavery? Because that's basically what Paul is saying. He's got the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that revelation of Jesus Christ puts the law in a light that the Jews didn't see before. And that's one thing that we're going to see through Galatians 2, 3, and 4. Paul goes all through this. What's interesting here and and what is crucial here is that those who are in Christ Jesus, if they come in under the law, they're coming in under slavery. Yes, the law was just, good, and holy. We understand that from Romans. It had a purpose to play in the plan of redemption but we also understand that Christ Jesus was the goal of the law. And now, believing Jews and believing Gentiles can sit together as one family. There's no wall of separation anymore. The, the law was a wall of separation before, wasn't it? Because you had, what, Jews, they had their dietary laws. The, uh, you, well, you had everything. You had circumcision, circumcision. You had the temple, you had all this, and then you had the Gentiles had nothing. They had, uh, without God, without hope in the world. So there there was a dividing wall. But now Paul's saying, no, there is no dividing wall, and believing Gentiles do not come in under the law the way that these believing Pharisees in Acts 15 are trying to get the church to adhere to or go to. So, like I said, what, what we see in the rest of Galatians is Paul addressing this issue. Remember back when he said that these rival teachers came in, that they are distorting or perverting the gospel of Christ, and he stands for the truth of the gospel. And then in verse Verse 14, he says, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And so in Galatians 2, 15, all the way to the end of chapter 4, he sets out what the truth of the gospel is. And that truth of the gospel deals with believing Jews, believing Gentiles, the place of the law, and the place of Israel's Messiah in the plan of redemption. Cruel stuff. In fact, You know, you can go back and when the angel appeared to the disciples and said, go to the temple and tell the people of the words of this life, that's what Galatians is, the words of this new life. Amen. So that concludes the message today. Let me give you two takeaways, though, before I I sign off. The first one is, notice Peter and notice Barnabas. Pillars... Don't always walk in lockstep with the truth of the gospel. In our days, you know, uh, well, we call them leaders. We don't call them pillars. We call them leaders. And leaders, a lot of them are kind of puffed up to say, well, you just follow the leaders. The Apostle Paul didn't do that. You follow the leaders, you follow the pillars as long as they follow the truth of the gospel. The second takeaway is this. We're 2,000 years away from the resurrection. And since that time, we've had scores and scores of theologians write on the letter to the Galatians. And frankly, you go through some of those commentaries, you go through a lot of the books, and you don't really know what's going on after you read those commentaries and books. Paul wrote this letter to new believers in Christ, to common believers in Christ, you know, pedestrian believers in Christ. So we're supposed to understand what he's saying. He didn't write it so lofty that we need to get some kind of expert to come in and say, hey, explain this to me. But the other side of that coin is we have been engrafted in to the gospel, as Gentile believers. We are in Christ Jesus, and part of our heritage, we are Israel, or actually Christ was Israel, and we've been engrafted into Him. We are identified with Him. So we need to understand Israel's place in the narrative of redemption, and we're going to get into that as we go through the rest of the book of Galatians. Amen. So let me conclude with the way that Paul concludes the letter in Galatians 6.18. I pray as he prayed that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen.